GamesillaMedia.com. Noise Land Arcade. Welcome to Noiseland Arcade. I am Craig WK, and with me as always is my buddy, Sean the Arcade Phantom. How's it going, everybody? Sean, great to be uh, chatting with you about The Simpsons as always. Uh, today we're talking about Blood Feud. The feud we've had for years? Uh, yeah, outside of uh, Noiseland Arcade. Uh, Sean and I don't speak. We, uh, we, we both knew that we were the only ones who could do The Simpsons show together, but, but we don't speak outside the, the show. Well, you threw my family onto an island and hunted us for sport, Craig. What do you expect? For you guys to have a sense of humor? You killed my <laughs> grandfather! Right! Hilarious! <laughs> so, in Blood Feud, uh, Sean, when did this episode first air? 7-11-91. July 11th, 1991. I just had to point out it was 7-11. I thought that was funny. <laughs> yeah, hilarious, Sean. So in the season finale for season two, Mr. Burns needs a blood transfusion from someone with a rare blood type that Bart coincidentally has. When the Simpsons aren't rewarded afterwards, Homer becomes upset. Upset's the word I would use, not a dick. <laughs> uh, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to it. Uh, so, so, Sean, what... Uh, Oh, actually, Sean, I, I have a little bit of uh, news here I can lay on you first. Oh, we're going to start with the bad news? We're going to start with the real world, or the, well, I mean, it's all real world news, but the, mine, mine tends to be about world politics and, and wars and... Mine's all the stupid fun stuff. Yeah, which mine's mine the stuff people care about. <laughs> which mine was the stupid fun stuff. So, just the day before this episode aired, the USSR had its first elected president take office, Boris Yeltsin. While Mikhail Gorbachev was still the Soviet president of the USSR, uh, this is going to lead the way uh, to reforms, not uh, only within Russia, but the United Socialist Soviet Republics. The USSR is on its way to its collapse, and at this point, Russia now has its own president. The signs were kind of on the wall with Russia. I think I touched on this before, but a lot of people knew Russia was collapsing in the mid-80s. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there's plenty of stuff in, like, the because I pull from the Detroit Free Press. Uh, as we're, you know, out of the Detroit area. And, I mean, there's plenty of articles talking about how, you know, like, the, uh, you know, the Soviets are are really trying to, like, you know, switch over to democracy. And, you know, it's it's just sort of this long process. But you're right. The, the writing was on the walls at this point. I mean, this is six years after Rocky stopped communism. So, I mean, really, we, we knew where we were going. Rocky ended it all right there. He changed. They could change. I could change. You could change. Uh, Rocky destroyed communism. Uh, it's a true story. Uh, Sean, what do you have for uh, a world uh, uh, news that was going on around in the world? So, I'm not going to get a chance to talk about it at any other time. Mm -hmm. So, I'm actually going to talk about something that happened about a month after this episode. Okay. So, August 23rd. The most important day in the world. Yeah. That's the day the Super Nintendo was released in America. <laughs> and I wanted to talk about it. I don't care that it's a month away. It's in between season two and season three. You're right. We're, we're not going to get too many opportunities to talk, to talk about the release. Uh, the best launch lineup ever. Ooh, what was that launch lineup? Get Super Mario World on uh, it. Pilot Wing, yep. Sim City, F-Zero. Come on, this is a perfect system. The Super Nintendo is, 
I would argue probably about the greatest video game system ever made. Uh, I think it's a toss up between that and the original PlayStation. Uh, but Super Nintendo is certainly my favorite. And I think it's your favorite too, isn't it? It's my favorite too. My top three systems of all time are the two you mentioned and the Switch. Oh, the Switch is on that list. Oh, yeah. The Switch has made its way on that list very quickly. I mean, I love the Switch for sure, but I mean, you know, it's 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 not the Wonder Swan color. You know, I'm the only person you know who has a Wonder Swan, so you <laughs> that brought that up. <laughs> that is true. Uh, I, I was going to say Virtual Boy, but I knew you wouldn't believe that. Uh, but yeah, I tell you what, John, let's uh, uh, go ahead and jump on into our episode for the day. So I... Uh, the episode begins, and the mayor is unveiling this, like, sign that gives warnings to the city of Springfield. Yeah, so the mayor has a sign on a podium in front of him that says Mayor Diamond Joe Quinby. Uh-huh. And this is before he had his mayoral sash that they put on him at all times, so you know who's the mayor. <laughs> ah, that's true, yeah. They, they eventually start throwing that on him way more frequently. Uh, he mentions that Archbishop McGee is in the crowd. Now, I did do a little bit of research. Of course. Now, there was no Archbishop McGee during this time. However, there was actually an Archbishop McGee in 1891. So Burns brought him along. It's one of Burns' old friends, right? <laughs> I presume so. Uh, yeah, so you have, uh, you, have you know, the, the mayor, and he's, you know, uh, unveiling the sign, and it's going to give warnings about the nuclear power plant. And while they're all clapping and excited about it, it's like, you know, shows it flashes, like, everything's fine. And then it flashes, like, slight leak, you know, like, roll up your windows. And the clapping starts slowing down, and they're like, you know, core reactor explosion imminent. And, like, people are like, oh. Repent sins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so... And I love the fact that... Uh, oh, also, there was somebody else on stage that I thought was very, very interesting. Who was it? Because I didn't pay attention to who was on stage. I was looking at people in the crowd. There's a certain person on stage who is named a couple of episodes from now in the season uh, three. Alonzo Flowers, the former uh, Redskins player from the Mr. Lisa Goes to Washington, who's on the panel of judges, is standing on stage with a slight discoloration. So, spoilers for when we get to Mr. Lisa Goes to Washington, that was supposed to be a season two episode. Really? Yep. That was a one that got pushed back, and they put it into overtime, and it became an early season three episode. It's interesting, because that does feel like a season two episode. I oh, really like that it, episode. It does. It definitely feels like a season two episode. So does this. This this is quintessential season two right here, because it is... It's not as polished as some of the stuff we're going to get to. Even some of like the mid-season two is more polished than this episode. This You're right. This episode isn't quite as polished, uh, but I love some of the lines of this episode. For example, in this scene right here. Oh, this is a great Homer, line. Homer starts cracking up, and he's like, he's like, those idiots. If the core explodes, there won't be any power to light that sign. And him and all of his coworkers start laughing. I... The, the mayor, though, is upset because Mr. Burns has not arrived on stage. And he's like, nobody slights Diamond Joe Quimby. Uh, and Mr. Smithers is, you know, pretty, pretty concerned. And he runs to Mr. Burns's place to find out what happened. So this is kind of a weird thing when you take into context the whole series of The Simpsons. Mm -hmm. Because I think if all of Simpsons is canonical and this is all in a long timeline and we're going to go into craziness. It, it, I mean, we like to think it, it is all canonical, but it's probably not. So Smithers typically is the person who wakes Burns up in the morning. Uh-huh. I think that if it's all canonical, this moment right here yeah. caused that. 
This is why Smithers goes to him every morning. Because the one moment he's not, something bad happens, and now he's got to take care of him. That could be. If, if, if all the episodes are jumbled in the, the Simpsons timeline, if you will, this would probably be quite an early one, because by the time we see uh, Brush with Greatness and Smithers admits that he's always, you know, with Burns from the morning to night, I mean... This, this would be the reason why he was not there with him. Mr. Burns ends up falling. Smithers arrives and he's Burns is like passed out on the ground. And Smithers is like, oh, my God, we got to get you to like the hospital, get you a doctor. And much like Grandpa Simpson, I don't know if this is just sort of like a gag of the time or whatever. Burns is like, no quacks. And he's like, so long as I have power within me, I won't need a doctor. And he like passes out. He doesn't just say quacks. He uses a particular term for them. Oh, does he? He refers to him as a sawbone. No quack sawbone. <laughs> that's right. And that's a Civil War era expression, right? Yep. So sawbones were the basically the medical doctors in the Civil War era, which got their names from they would saw off the gangrenous limbs of people. Gross. Yeah. Gross so, and true. Burns is old timey. Yeah. I mean, that's Mr. Burns for you. So uh, you have uh, uh, Dr. Julius Hibbert is at Burns's bedside. Uh, making a house call, which is very unhibbert, but I'm sure Smithers offered him a lot of money. Cha-ching. Yeah, I, I don't doubt that. Uh, so so Hibbert says that Burns has hypohemia. And I love that Smithers, because he goes to explain that it's a loss of blood, and Smithers is like, damn it, doctor. He's like, I know what hypohemia is. And it's weird because hypohemia is not real, but it kind of is. Yeah, so hypohemia, I did a lot of research into, mm -hmm. and the symptoms of it are real. Yeah. But it's not a real thing that happens to people. Well, I, I mean, it, 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 so here's the thing. Hypohemia, to the best of my knowledge, is actually hypovolemia. So I don't know if they just, like, did a weird mistranslation, because hypohemia, I think, does in Latin mean a loss of blood. But the more regular condition of titling it in the medical field is hypovolemia, which is a lack of blood. And there's only really three things that cause this. This isn't like a disease where your blood vanishes. It's either you lose blood because like you've been cut, you lose blood. Uh, let's see. Uh, if you give blood away or vomiting and diarrhea. So here's my question for you, Sean. What of those three things is most likely the reason why Burns has hypovolemia. Because, let's face it, we don't see he has wounds on him. We I'll tell you what it is. It's none of those three. Oh? Burns is a vampire. He's suffering from <laughs> withdrawal, Craig. God! How do you think he's lived so long? <laughs> All right, let's... Who would embrace poor, a poor old man like that? That just seems mean. Hmm. I... Doing, I think it'd be funny. Have <laughs> <laughs> right, eternally be old and cranky. Yeah. Fair, fair point. So, Mr. Burns has uh, 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 oh, what is it? O negative blood. Yes, type O negative blood. Type O negative blood, and uh, uh, Smithers has a B positive, and he refers to his blood as common gutter blood, and it's so. Uh-huh. We skipped one of my favorite scenes of this entire episode. When Smithers rips his shirt? <laughs> yeah, Smithers just hulks out and rips his two shirts off because he's got his overcoat and his shirt, and he rips them both off. 
And he also tells uh, Dr. Hibbert that there's he, don't bother sterilizing the needle. Mr. Burns needs the yeah. blood ASAP. He asks how long it takes to sterilize a needle. Hibbert says about 10 seconds. And he says, don't bother. And just rips his shirt off. <laughs> so... so it's so uh, funny side note. Uh, I asked my mom. I was like, "Mom, I was like, what?" Uh, I reached out to her and my sister, and I was like, "What? You know, blood type do I have?" You know, out of curiosity for this, and my mom was like, "I don't know what your blood type is." And my sister's like, "My blood type is B positive," and I told her she had common gutter blood. <laughs> <laughs> You're a monster. So I I also mm, went to look up my blood type, and I don't know what my blood type is. Yeah, we should probably know that. I presume. Hmm. I. Now, uh, what's interesting here is the uh, O the the O positive blood uh, or O negative. What is it that Burns has? O negative. Uh, o yeah, whatever. Anyway, O negative. I think is what he has. I uh, is not necessarily the rare, rarest. Yeah, he has double O negative. Double O negative. Uh, he, uh, the rarest, uh, according to like a, a medical search some years back, A B uh, negative is the rarest. But O is important because it can be used with any other blood type, uh, that which is really uh, an interesting thing. Uh, a and B have like uh, essentially like something in them, and and I'm you know hardly a scientist. I I barely know much about things like you know blood types and whatnot. But there's something in A blood that makes it so or prevents it from interacting with B blood and vice versa. But O blood works with both of them, which is why O blood is you know very important. I. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, oh, and I also love that uh, uh, when, when you know, Smithers it, it laments that he's not the right blood type, uh, Burns thinks, it says that uh, uh, it's okay, Smithers, that kidney you gave me really hit the spot. Which is really kind of gross, right? Just the way he worded that? It's pretty gross. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, uh, Smithers is, you know, he, he reaches out to the plant. He's like, hey, is, if there's anyone out there with Mr. Burns' blood type, you know, come forward. You know, he, he needs help. And uh, Carl's like, you know, he's like, eh, I do it, but I, it's got something going on. And they're like, oh, yeah, what's that? And he's like, I just don't want to. And they all start laughing. And Homer's like, he's like, I can't believe you guys. There is a, a like a sick old man out there with millions of dollars who needs our help. <laughs> and he's like, you, I'm going to give that, like, find that blood, give it away and, you know, get rich while you losers are like stuck in this dead end job. And Carl's like, you know, Homer, I'm your supervisor. He's like, sorry, sir. Which is the first reference of Carl being a supervisor. Does that stay? I feel like Homer is perpetually getting different supervisors. I'm pretty sure in the real episodes, Carl continues to be his supervisor. Really? We'll have to pay attention to that throughout the series. It's also funny that he hangs out with his supervisor then. Normally, supervisors and, like, you know, people under them don't usually hang out. So, in large, like, corporations like that the supervisor isn't in charge of promoting people. It's usually the higher-ups above them. Oh. So it's not so much a scenario where it's like conflict of interest, like when you're working somewhere near the manager and you've got your employees under you. I gotcha. Because you have somebody else who will do that for you in the HR department who will determine who gets the raise in the job. Mm, I gotcha. I've actually worked big jobs like that where you can hang out with your supervisor and it's not a big deal. Interesting. So we have, uh, uh, back at home, we have Lisa... Uh, teaching Maggie what lemurs and zebus are. Uh, What's a zebu, Craig? Uh, it's like a, a colic animal from, uh, I think, Southern Asia. Uh, it's got like a, a dewlap and a, uh, a, hump? a hump. Yeah, and a hump. <laughs> uh, so you have uh, you know Lisa doing that, and, and 
she mentions to Marge that she wants Maggie to have all the advantages that Lisa didn't have. And Marge is a little offended. She's like, Lisa, we did the best we could. Rightfully so. And Lisa <laughs> turned out pretty damn good. Uh, you know, you got Bart, you know, but, you know, whatever. I mean, she suffers from depression, but. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. And suicide runs in her family. <sighs> so, um. Uh, anywho. Yeah, maybe Lisa doesn't have the best hair. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Homer comes in, he wants to know his blood type, he's A positive, uh, and, and it's funny because, like, you know, uh, Lisa, you know, is like, oh, you know, you know, Homer's, you know, uh, uh, blood type, you know, that's so romantic, and, uh, you know, she's like, you know, oh, well, mother has to know these things, and so they all start quizzing her. Lisa has four B shoes, Bart has 16 permanent and eight baby teeth, Homer has XL earmuffs, Lisa has a size three rings, but they look cheap, so she doesn't want her wearing them. Uh, Bart is allergic to butterscotch and imitation butterscotch, as well as glow-in-the-dark monster makeup. Uh, Bart also has O, you know, the O negative blood or whatever. But here's something to bring up. He's allergic to butterscotch, butterscotch, and imitation butterscotch. Yeah. And we will see him at the ice cream parlor quite a lot. Uh-huh. Usually getting the Sunday with the works on it. Now here's my big thing. So so okay, so there there's, you know, he his one of Marge's recipes later in the series is butterscotch chicken. Yep. Which I guess you could argue maybe just uses butter and scotch liquor. We don't know for sure, because I've never heard of butterscotch chicken before. But the gag is that it's something sickeningly sweet because he came back with minimal cavities than usual. But butterscotch in and of itself is butter, brown sugar, heavy cream, and vanilla. The only reason butterscotch is butterscotch instead of caramel is that it uses brown sugar instead of white sugar. It's sugar, cream, butter, and some vanilla. Like, that's it. So which of those ingredients is Bart allergic to, supposedly? I don't know, but I feel bad for him. I love butterscotch. Butterscotch is great, but I would argue that Marge is insane. He oh. mu- he must be he must have if I had to wager a guess, Marge made a miscalculation. He ate a bunch, felt ill, and Marge was like, "Oh, you must be allergic to this." Had him try the imitation instead. He ate too much and got sick again, and she's like, "Oh my god, you must be allergic." When really, it was just he ate too much. I would argue that's what happened. If this was <clears throat> real life. Yeah, do it butterscotch on my birthday my girlfriend made me a butterscotch uh, pie and it was Ooh. so good i wish i had butterscotch pie felt like i had a goat mom it was great <laughs> <laughs> oh undertale anywho so bart has you know the right blood and he's like hey man he's like i got my rights you know when he doesn't want to give up the blood and homer's like you have the right to remain silent and it's like I can almost hear the canned laughter in the background at that. And then Marge says... So, okay. So for that one, you kind of brush that off. Uh I love the way Cass Lynetta delivers that because he's got that angry tone to part. He's like, yeah, you got the right to remain silent. The delivery is great. (laughs) The delivery is amazing. Dan Castellaneta is always doing a great job with Homer. I I don't I don't want it to seem like I'm, I'm knocking Dan for this one. Dan, shout out to you. You're an amazing Homer Simpson. But that line is so taken from a sitcom. Oh, yeah. It's very Honeymooners-esque where it's bang, zoom, straight to the moon, Bart. <laughs> yeah. And, but Marge interjects and she's like, listen, Bart, you know, there's an, a, an old man who's ill. You have a responsibility to take care of him. 
which kind of goes in line with the, you know, you are your brother's keeper thing from Christianity that, let's face it, Marge is a pretty good Christian. Homer, not so much, <laughs> as we're about to find out. He sits Bart down in bed, and he's like, listen, he's like, I'm not telling you to do this for nothing. He's like, if you save a rich man's life, he'll shower you with riches. And he convinces Bart uh, that, you know, he should, he should, you know, help out Burns because he'll be rewarded. And he tells him the story of Hercules and the lion. Is that a Bible story? Eh, it's probably in there, yeah. <laughs> I love his delivery that reaches brushes it off. And yeah, so Homer tells the story of a lion who had a thorn in his paw, and nobody could get the thorn out, but then they got Hercules, mighty Hercules, and he pulled the thorn out because he was strong enough, and everybody... And the lion showered him with riches. How did a lion get riches? I don't know. It was the olden days. <laughs> I love that so much. Which the olden days, for those who don't know, Craig DMs on a podcast here, Noobs and Dragons. Uh-huh, indeed. If you ever don't know how something works in Dungeons and Dragons, a DM has one excuse that they give you every time. Mm-hmm. What is that excuse? Magic. Yep, magic <laughs> is the olden days. <laughs> yeah, basically, it's it's very interchangeable here. I uh, so Homer takes Bart to the the blood bank, tank, you know, uh, 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 like bloodmobile outside the plant, and Otto is a phlebotomist. Yeah, he is. This is his part time job. And he, uh, I, does he start humming along to Iron Man? Oh, yeah, it's Iron Man he's doing. And he... Uh, Iron uh, Man by Black Sabbath. By Black Sabbath, uh-huh, of course. And so he, he pulls out a wet nap to wash his hands, which is <laughs> just, just super gross. And Smithers comes up, and, and he says something around the lines of, like, he doesn't know who to hug. And Homer's like, eh, the boy. And Smithers gives Bart a, a really awkward hug, and Bart does not look happy about it. And it gets to the hospital. And this, this is one of the funniest gags in this episode. It's a, a very... It, it's so subtle, but it makes me laugh every time. Now, are you time. going to reference the elevator first? Yeah, that, that's the one that makes yeah. me laugh. So they get to the hospital, and mm-hmm. they are speeding the blood along. People are throwing this packet of blood so they can get it up there. And they throw it from one guy to another. Auto throws it to somebody. Somebody else catches it. They throw uh-huh. it. Eventually, gets to a guy who's in an elevator, and he's just sitting there going, do, 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 just twiddling his thumbs, and he's like, oh, he forgets to press the button. He presses the button. Every time, that joke gets me, and I laugh so hard at him just standing there. Yeah, I, I rather enjoy that. I, and so he, you know, they, they get the blood in, and meanwhile, uh, Mr. Burns is telling Smithers to write his epitaph. Which sounds incredibly like yours is going to Charles Montgomery Burns patriot American patriot master of the atom scourge of a despot oh tyrant hear his mighty name and quake and so as he's like ill it starts getting stronger from the blood he lets out that roar stands up and he is better Mr. Burns is in a good mood now uh, he doesn't know anyone's name at work. Uh, he wanders around and he's like, oh, hey, you. But he's all happy. He wins at a game of squash, racquetball, whatever they're playing. Squash, is that with the weird like little paddle things? I think it's squash. I don't know. That's yeah. a sport. and <laughs> It's a sport somewhere. There was no Mutant League version of it, so I don't understand <laughs> it. <laughs> and Did, didn't have its own Blades of Steel. Yeah, they, he wasn't playing Blades of Steel. He wasn't playing Tecmo Bowl. 
He wasn't playing NBA Jam, so I, we're not entirely sure what he was playing. And so he, you know, he gets into his office. He's talking with Smithers, and he says he's, you know, he all he needed was the blood of a young boy, <laughs> which isn't that what we all need. He, yes. <clears throat> so, the, <laughs> Mr. Burns, uh, tell you know, tell Smithers that he's he's going to you know send something along to the Simpsons. Mr. Uh, Homer gets the mail. And so he gets excited. Also, Burns, we still see, is living on Mammon Road. Which is awesome. Yes. And, and if you missed the previous episode where we talked a bunch about it, Mammon is the name of a, a devil of greed in like Christian mythology. Uh, Christian lore, however you want to put that. you know. And so uh, Homer brings the family out to the backyard so the neighbors can hear. And he's like, all right. He's like, dim, tur- like, dim the lights. No, wait. Turn them up. Wait, no. He's like, Lisa, do something. And she's like, okay. And then she goes to the sprinklers and turns them on. Homer opens up the letter and it just says, thank you. And that's it. That's all. And Homer gets super pissed. He's incredibly upset. And so, you know, Marge tells him, she's like, Homer, we got what we wanted. And old man has a second lease on life essentially because of Bart's actions. That is enough. Homer argues that he promised Bart riches and riches like, you know, and, and, and that old man made me break my promise essentially. And he's essentially blaming Mr. Burns for him being a liar. And so they write a letter and you know, it's like Homer just doles on the sarcasm. It's like, you know, thank you so much for, you know, the, the, the nice card. We were so happy to give you my son's blood. If you can't tell, this is sarcasm. You suck, you, you know, like a thin bony girly arms. You suck toothed old mummy. Yeah, bo- thin girly arms. <laughs> you smell like an elephant's butt. And Homer and Bart bond over making fun of Mr. Burns, which is sort of charming in and of itself. But obviously isn't very good, you know. Marge barely convinces Homer not to send the letter. They get to the mailbox, and Homer is so mad and pissed, and it takes Marge doing the hand thing. Her taking Homer's hand and, like, stroking it and telling, you know, please, Homer. And it's like, does Homer not realize that he's going to probably be fired for something like this? Or at least it'll sully any existence he had at the power plant. Homer doesn't care, because if we take the continuity in, Mm -hmm. he's already left the power plant once. That's true. Played Mr. Burns' head like bongos as he left. He got pretty good noise out of that thing. Threw a match on the only bridge out of work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Uh, And yeah, yeah, that would have uh, technically happened already. so. So Homer goes to bed, and he dreams of assaulting Mr. Burns. Yeah, he's choking Mr. Burns like he does Bart, and monies and jewels and (laughs) riches are just falling out of him. And then suddenly, he's not shaking Mr. Burns by the neck. He's squeezing a bottle of syrup, and his dream turns very pleasant, and he's eating pancakes, and he starts chewing on his pillow. I'm not a big pancake person. What, really? Yeah, I can have them like once every few months, but I never choose pancakes. What? Really? Yeah, they're just kind of there. Something wrong with you. You also like bran flakes. Yeah, I like my breakfast to be bland. Who are you? Kellogg? Like the original Kellogg? The cornflake guy trying to stop people from having sexual urges with your cereal? Might be. 
So, so answer me this, then, Sean. If you had a choice between, uh, let's say, a plate of like uh, be- eggs and bacon, uh, we'll say waffles, pancakes, like maybe cinnamon bun or something, or like a bowl of bran flakes. Oh, eggs and bacon. It's number one. Is number one. Okay. Cinnamon rolls is number two. Okay. Bran flakes is number three. Pancakes are next. Waffles are at the bottom? I, I'm not a big waffle. I, syrupy things don't do it for me. I don't like syrup on my uh, sausage. No, I will say I'm not a big syrup on my sausage guy. I'm, I, I agree with you there. We're, we're on the same yeah, page. I, I'm not a big sweet breakfast. Oh, those cinnamon rolls are so delicious. I would kill somebody for cinnamon rolls. <laughs> Especially those orange-flavored ones. Oh, my God, do I love those. I, I do really like the orange ones. So, they, they, so, they shouldn't be good. They're orange cinnamon rolls, but they're so good. Yeah, that's... I Okay, so so your your breakfast choices aren't completely insane. They're just mildly insane. No, I'd, I'd rather go with proteins and with um, potatoes. Throw some hash browns in there, and I'm right. perfect breakfast. And, and okay, you, you made a, a good choice choosing the eggs and, and, and bacon or whatever. That's That's fine. I can live with that. We can continue the episode for now, but so help me God, I was going to end the show right then and there if you were like, I want the Brandflakes is number one. number one. <laughs> Brandflakes are number one. Anyway, so uh, Homer wakes up. He's happy. He's He thanks Marge for stopping him, uh, you know, says that, she, you know, she's his better half. Bart comes in, and meanwhile, well, actually, we see Bart puts the letter in the, the mailbox, and meanwhile, Homer is freaking out. Yeah, he cannot find the letter anywhere in the house, and he's looking in the dumbest places ever. I don't think it's in the cornstarch canister, Homer. And he's like, well, didn't grow legs and walk away, which caught me, doesn't catch me off guard, I would say, but that's a line I remember my grandmother saying, my mother saying to me, and what's funny is I remember telling that to my sister. And it's one of those things where it's like, oh, God, that's just going to pass on to every generation, isn't it? At least in my family. Nobody's ever said that in my family once. Well, then it's it's just a, a Craig's family thing, I suppose, and the Simpsons. <laughs> sure, glad that's where I you know line up with the uh, with fictional families, the Simpsons. Uh, and so you have uh, you you have Homer freaking out, and Bart comes in, and Homer's like, "Okay, okay, okay." He's like, "Bart, did you see the letter?" And he's like, "I sure did." And he's like, "Where?" Did you last see it? And Bart slows it down. He's like, the last place I saw it was in my hands. And Homer's like, yeah. And he's like, as I put it in the mailbox. And Homer freaks out. And he's like, why? And he's like, listen, Dad. Some things in that letter just had to be said. And I know you're an emotional guy. And there was no guarantee you'd be mad in the morning. So Homer freaks out on him, chokes him out. And Marge freaks out on Homer, and she's like, listen, you instigated this. You're the one who spurred him on. You don't get to be upset with Bart. And Homer's right, because she says, you should be choking yourself. And he does. He puts his hands around, <laughs> and like Marge kind of gets freaked out for a second. And he starts crying, and he's like, okay, okay. He's like, we can do something about this. And so it becomes kind of like a... This is going to sound weird, but hear me out. It reminds me of a Nicktoon for the next few few scenes. Trying to get a, a letter out of a mailbox sounds like something out of, like, Rocco's Modern Life or Ren and Stimpy. Like, just them trying all these different, like, methods. It's very, very, like... You know what it sounds more like than Rocco's Modern Life? or What's that? 
Sounds like a Doug episode. Like he accidentally wrote a love letter to Patty and he's afraid she'll find out about it. Right. It's, it's the episode of Doug where um, Doug's journal is missing because Roger took it. Oh, right. Yeah. Wow. It really is. I. Uh, yeah, so so it reminds me of like it, it's it's obviously the Simpsons are a cartoon, but these next few scenes are very cartoony to me, which I appreciate. And so Homer tries to so oh yeah one thing I want to point out oh yeah Bart tells him where the letter is uh-huh. and Homer screams dough uh-huh. very loudly yeah and it cuts to an exterior shot of the house to show us how loud it is uh-huh. did you take a look at Flanders? Uh, you know, I feel like I did, and something caught me off guard, but I didn't write it down. It doesn't look like Flanders at all who's in front of oh, that house. Oh, right. I, is that just a hired gardener or something? So who it looks like to me, uh-huh. when Flanders has the Flanders family reunion, Yeah, he's got the Senor Flanders. When is the Buenos Ding Dong Diddly Diaz? That's who it looks like a lot to me. Go back and look at this like frame of animation next time you watch this episode. I will. Because it looks a lot like him. Like, maybe he's watching the Flanders house while they're on vacation. Yeah, maybe he popped into town. Yeah, maybe he did. <laughs> so, so, Homer is like, you know, he's like, I got a few tricks up my sleeve to get in this mailbox. It starts kicking it. And Barney walks by. He's like, yeah, fight the power, Homer. And he's got a case of beer and walks off. They grab a hose. And, of course, it's super cartoony. And he puts it in. And he's like, all right, if you see the mail person, you know, he's like, you know, go ahead and... Uh, and give me a warning. Dad, the mail person's here. And he's like, yeah, just like that. And he's like, no, I mean, the mail person's here. And it's the same mail lady from uh, the, the, the spy camera episode. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, uh, Homer's Night Out. And she, she, you know, is like mad at Homer. And he's like, I guess it wouldn't do any good to run away since you know, like, my address, my name and address already. And she's like, uh huh. And he's like, well, I'm going to run anyway. <laughs> and he just bolts. Uh, so. While this is going on, Mr. Burns is is going to do a book deal where, you know, he's going to, you know, like talk with the, the or he's going to like tell someone his story and they're going to make a book out of it. And so the one of the interesting things that caught my attention was a name that sounded familiar. So I did a little bit of research. Are you ready for this? OK, which one are you going with? Because it might be the same one I did of research into. Sudrudin uh, Mabaradad. Okay, I, I went into a different research. Okay. I'm, I'm glad. Perfect, perfect. So Sadrudin uh, Mabaradad is uh, he's uh, uh, the the book is called the Unsinkable Sadrudin Mabaradad Mabaradad. There we go. And so you know this Mister Roman is you know doing the books or whatever. And the name struck me as odd. I was like, why is that a real person? I looked it up. It's not a real person. But do you know who it is? Who is it? It is. The same Hindu priest from the TV show Sadruddin uh, Mabaradad's Yoga Party from the episode Camp Krusty. Wow. Right? That is really weird. Really weird. <laughs> yeah. It is the same person, the one who's like, you know, like, just roll your head. He's like in like, you know, Homer and, and uh, uh, March are doing yoga. So what I went into research for uh-huh. is the guy doing the book deal. Yeah. Asks Burns if he's ever slept with anyone famous. Yeah, he said Countess Zeppelin or something like that? So Burns says, Countess Von Zeppelin and I, and he stops. Uh Uh-huh. So, I'm assuming Countess Von Zeppelin Mm -hmm. is Helene Hella Von Zeppelin, who is the daughter of the man with the world's greatest name, 
Ferdinand Adolf Heinrich August Graf von Zeppelin. <laughs> what the name? Who was a German general and the inventor of the Zeppelin. Well, uh, what, do we know when, she, when he was around? So the daughter would have been somewhere in the early um, 19... So it would have been like 1919. He would probably would have slept with her. <laughs> 1919 to 19... 19- 30? Somewhere in that range. <laughs> That's really funny. Also, but, but yeah, let's go back to that name. Can we just get rid of the Adolf and make it the perfect name? Ferdinand Adolf Heinrich August Graf von Zeppelin. Love that Graf. I know. Makes me think of Xenogears. And I get so excited every time I read it. Graf, Emperor of Darkness. Oh, man. That is an amazing name. Uh, so Now you know who invented the, 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 the Zeppelin, kids. <laughs> Also, speaking of amazing names. Oh, yeah? So one night, Craig and I were looking up things because we wanted to know what sex offenders live near us. Uh-huh. Just so we knew kind of like where to avoid. Well, well it was also out of morbid curiosity. Mostly morbid curiosity. <laughs> yeah. We came across a person whose actual God-given name uh-huh. was Zephyr Zeppelin something else with a Z. Oh, right. What was it? It was like Zephyr Zeppelin... Zacharias. Zacharias. Zephyr yeah. Zeppelin Zacharias was his name. If that person is listening to this, you have the greatest name I have ever heard. I forgive you for almost any crime. Almost any crime. There's like a few I won't forgive you for. But like if it was like public indecency or something, yeah, you're, you're forgiven. Okay, any other sexual crime, okay, yeah, you're not forgiven. But that one you'll be forgiven for. Pu- public urination, I understand. Oh, yeah, there we go. Sometimes you gotta go, there's not a bathroom around. I get it, it's a crime, but... Hey, listen, I get it. when you gotta go, you gotta go. True words were never spoken then in Jurassic Park. But yeah, I just loved trying to figure out who Burns would have slept with. <laughs> I'm glad you looked into that, because I looked, I looked at the name and I was like... Oh, I'm not even gonna bother. I was like, I, 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 let's just let's just look up Sudruden uh, uh, and we'll go from there. So while Burns is yelling at this author and telling him to get out because he's you know asking him these scandalous questions or whatever, we cut to Homer in probably one of the most iconic Simpson scenes ever. He goes up to the the carrier or the uh, the person at the post office and you know. Kudos to the artist because the the post office has this like giant mural of a, a postman like being mauled by dogs and struck by lightning handing this letter to a woman. So, you know, like this this post office doesn't play around. And he goes up to the carrier or so, the person behind the counter, I should say. The only reason I think this scene is so iconic uh-huh. is because this is reused in the 138th episode spectacular. It is. And, and it's a, that's where I think of it from. I don't think of it from this episode. I think of it from that scene when they talk about Homer getting dumber. Yeah, this scene is very independent to me of, of almost anything else going on. And obviously it's very, you know, much in line with this episode. But so Homer goes up to the, the counter and he's like, hello, my name is Mr. Burns. I believe you have a letter for me. And the guy's like, all right, Mr. Burns, what's your first name? I don't. No. And it cuts to that him outside with Bart, and he's like, yeah, great plan, boy. <laughs> Homer doesn't know his boss's name outside of Mr. Burns. Yet he got a letter from him earlier in the episode and read from the desk of Charles Montgomery Burns. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't paying attention. Back in the Simpsons' house, uh, Lisa is trying to teach Maggie what a dodecahedron is. What the hell is a dodecahedron, Craig? Just think of your 12-sided dice. Wait, have you ever played a barbarian in Dungeons & Dragons? 
no, but I had a great axe. So <laughs> oh, I you understand. understand. <laughs> that you get it. Yeah, it's either barbarian hit points or a great axe. That's all it's <laughs> yeah, used for. Pretty much. That's all it's used for. <laughs> Shout out to Noobs and Dragons again. So, uh, you know, Homer's, Homer tells Lisa to stop it because she's confusing him. He's trying to think. And so the next day, Homer go, sneaks into Mr. Burns' office. He needs to get this letter. He can't let Burns see it or he's doomed. So he creeps in and... You know, Mr. Burns has been like writing his own book and stuff, you know, and uh, what's what's the title of that book? Because we're going to learn it at the end of the episode, but let's just bring it up now. Will there ever be a rainbow? What a great book title. (laughs) What a great book title. (laughs) So, so uh, Homer creeps into his office, goes to the, the letters, you know, that are piled up and he starts sifting through them. And Mr. Burns skulks out of the shadows and, and it looks like he has a knife and it turns out it's a letter opener. And he finds the letter Homer wrote. And at first he's like, oh, let's just open it now. And Mr. And Homer's like, ah. And at this point, I feel like my gut reaction would have been to grab it, rip it to shreds. And when Burns is just like, what is your problem? Either run away and hope he doesn't know you or say, listen, my son actually sent that. It was, you know, it was a little on the, you know, inappropriate side. I apologize. I just wanted to thank you in person. But Homer is not that smart. That As is true. He gets caught by Mr. Burns, and he says, oh, God, think of a name. Don't tell him your name. Homer <laughs> Simpson. And his brain is like, oh. And Burns starts reading through, and he's like, you know, thank you for the blood. Yada, yada, my happy we're, you know, we're family, happy to, or, family, and I were happy to do it. And Homer's like, all right, I'm going to go now. And he's like, oh, wait, there's more. If you can't tell, I was being sarcastic. And he goes through all the insults, and uh, Burns orders a man we will later know as Crusher, but apparently is named Joey. Yeah, Joey is Crusher's first name. Uh huh. And he orders him to throw him out. And uh, you know, Crusher or Joey, uh, the one of the hired goons of Burns, starts dragging him out. Who? Hired goons. <laughs> hired goons. And meanwhile, Burns watches, and he's like looking at him, and he's like, "I could crush him like an ant, but I'll bide my time until, ah, to hell with it, I'll crush him like an ant." And uh, Burns orders Smithers to have Homer Simpson beaten, and you know, so he he you know, like Smithers is in his office, and he's asking Joey, he's like, you know, you know, do you know Homer Simpson? And he's like, nice guy. Play poker with him every so often. And Smithers is like, we need him beaten up. And he's like, you got it. And uh, at this point, you know, like, Homer's going to be fired. He's going to be beaten. And Smithers breaks down. And he cries. He tells, uh, he when Joey's like, what, this, what did Homer do? He's like, he saved Mr. Burns' life. And he starts sobbing. This is the first sign we see of Smithers having a backbone, which will later play into who shot Mr. Burns. That's true, and it also is really, really highlighting how important Burns is to Smithers because he isn't just blindly following him. He does not want Homer beaten because Homer led to the you know Mr. Burns having his life. Yeah, and so Smithers goes into Burns's office, and Smithers is like, or and Burns is like, "Oh, how'd the beating go?" And Smithers is like, "Well, there wasn't a beating," and he's like. What do you mean? He's like, I don't understand. Like, he's so <laughs> flabbergasted that there wasn't a beating. And uh, Smithers tells him that he could not do it. 
shows that backbone you mentioned. And Burns screams, Judas! Screams at him. And Smithers gives him the puppy dog eyes and tells him that he can't have the man beaten since he saved Mr. Burns' life. And somehow Mr. Burns suddenly gains a bit of a conscience. So I like this. I like this because it plays back to Marge and Homer's relationship earlier in the episode Mm -hmm. where the better half comes in and says, oh, this is what we should have done. You're right. I'm acting out of anger. I should stop and go back on this. The passive yin to the raging yang. (laughs) Yes. I like that it comes (laughs) back to that with Burns and Smithers having the exact same reaction that Homer and Marge had earlier in the episode. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I do I do kind of like that when you put it in that perspective. Uh, mean, also, oh, also yeah. Smithers, uh, he has like a five o'clock shadow going on, and it disappears <laughs> the second he shakes Burns' hand. It's like, oh, back to professionalism. Yeah, I, I guess it's just that's the power of Mr. Burns, or his love for Mr. Burns. Uh, meanwhile, Homer is drinking in the bar, depressed, and Bart and Lisa call, and they ask for Mike Roch. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Anyhow. There's a reason those crank calls disappeared from later episodes. Yeah. They, there's some funny gags they do later with them, but yeah, not much. Uh, and so, yeah, you have Mr. Burns at the mall, and he, he you see Maud, uh, Rod, and Todd at the mall as well. And uh, Mr. Burns wants to get a, uh, I believe he refers to it as a fabulous zip zoo uh, zabulous present. Fabulous? Fantabulous, something like that. Fantabulous, and I believe. Fab- fabulous, fantabulous, zip, zoop, zabulous present. Uh, very Seuss esque. Very how the Grinch stole Christmas. Oh yeah. Which uh, Mr. Burns makes other, or or yeah, that Mr. Burns makes other kind of Seuss references uh, later on in the uh, as the seasons go on in the fourth season specifically. And so they start going around to all these stores. The brushes are coming. The brushes are coming. Obviously, a play on the British are coming from Paul Revere's ride. Uh, the Tamo Shanter Connection, which is like an Irish store or something, and you see Jimbo in there with Kearney outside. I think it's presumed that he's like shoplifting. Probably. They go to Sweet Home Alabama, and uh, you know that's too corny. Smithers apparently can play the banjo, and so mm-hmm. I thought it was weird that Smithers could play the banjo at first, mm-hmm. but then I realized Smithers has a countryside that doesn't get brought up very often. Oh, right. Because in um, the chili uh, the chili cook-off, he's got the honky-tonk outfit with the hot Nashville Knights on the back, and he wants to square dance with Marge. Yeah, he does. He's got a bit of a countryside to him. Well, I'll be thanked. You're right. I mean, that did, until you brought that up, uh, it, it, it didn't really dawn on I me. literally just watched that episode of the chili cook-off oh, last nice. night, so it's in my head right now. Nice. Uh, finally, they arrive at, uh, they go from Wicked Excess to... Uh, Plunderer Pete's. And all we know at this point is Smithers says, sir, that's 32K. And Burns is like, don't put a price tag on this. $32,000. They could have sold this. If Simpsons lived in modern times, they could have just eBayed this sucker off. (laughs) Probably got about half that and been very happy. Well, we'll see that they don't, though. So, I... You know, Burn, uh, Homer's at home and he's he's kind of nervous and upset. And you know, uh, Burns and Smithers arrive arrive in a truck with a bunch of movers coming off. And you know, they're like, "Mr. Burns is here!" And Homer screams and dives behind a couch. And let me ask you a question: Yeah, how many times do you watch Simpsons episodes? How many times do you think you've seen 
certain episodes of The Simpsons. It depends on the episodes. I, I There are definitely episodes that I have not seen as much, but I would say that I've probably seen most episodes at least two or three times. So with a lot of episodes that I really like, I've probably seen them 50 to 100 times in my life. Uh, yeah, honestly, yeah, that's probably like about with, the same With some of the big ones that like I watch all the time. Last Exit to Springfield. Uh, Funny you Cape mentioned Fear. that one because that's uh-huh. the one I'm going to bring up here. Uh-huh. So there's a background detail yeah. that only somebody who spends way too much time watching The Simpsons would notice. Okay. One of the guys unloading the package from the truck uh-huh. is the exact same window washer Burns laughs at as he falls to his death in Last Exit to Springfield. Oh my God, you're right. I know, I know exactly who that is, and I can think of that scene. He is right there pulling that crate off. And we're going to later see him in Last Exit to Springfield fall to his death as Burns laughs like a maniac. Oh my God, you're right. It's one second. Yeah, that's... I feel like that's the reason why we're doing this show, but it's also the reason why we're probably, like, mildly sociopathic. Probably. Because we can point out little details like that. Wow. That is my favorite thing that I noticed in this episode, because I had to go back to it. I'm like, no, that can't be. Pulled up uh, Last Exit to Springfield on my phone. I'm like, it is. It's the same guy. Man. Yeah, that's that's crazy. (laughs) So Burns comes in with this giant package. Makes me wonder how they got it inside, but whatever. I'm curious how it gets down to the basement in the Simpsons house later on. Yeah, there's that too. And so, you know, Homer's like, oh, Mr. Burns, like you brought a present. And, and Burns is like, oh, what did you think I was going to do? Have you beaten to a bloody pulp? And him and Smithers start chuckling and they're like, ha, ha, ha. And they, he gives them an advanced copy of his book. Will there ever be a rainbow? <laughs> it's Burns with this like pleasant smile and a rainbow cutting, coming out of his hands. And they, he gives the crowbar to Bart, and Bart's like, cool, a crowbar. And Lisa's like, no, it's used to open the crate, you idiot. And he's like, oh. And he pops open the, the crate. Which is a later episode reference, because Bart has his favorite cl- crowbar, which is Old Bluey. Oh, is this, I wonder if this is the same crowbar. This, he just stole it from Mr. Burns. This is Old Bluey that he got. It was I'll his I'll gift for Burns for saving him. I'll buy that. And so it opens up, and it's an Olmec head. What the hell's an Olmec head, Craig? Wow, funny you say that. Olmec heads were carved from basalt boulders by the Olmec people who lived in Mesoamerica uh, from around 1500 to 400 BCE. Uh, He mentions that it is uh, 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 based on a god of war named Ixtapolopoquetl. Ixtapolopoquetl. Uh, who's sadly made up. It's uh, best I can tell, it's like sort of a, a mishmash of different like Aztec gods and stuff. Wouldn't be Olmec related. And uh, I love that Maggie pulls up one of the like the little uh, cards that Lisa's been showing her through the episode. She's like, not Aztec, Maggie, Olmec, Olmec. And so Burns is the Olmec from the Shrine of the Silver Monkey? The Shrine of the Silver Monkey. Uh, that is the how most people know what the name Olmec is, is uh, from Legends of the Hidden Temple, the old Nick, uh, Nickelodeon game show. God, that was a good game show. It was a solid game show. I watched it. It was no Global Guts, but, you know, take what you can get. Well, it didn't have its own Mo. Mo was the best. Let's go to the scoreboard, Mo. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, you know, you have the Simpsons, and they're... Sitting in the like the living room, not the room where they're always watching TV, but like the room with the piano and this giant Olmec statue. And 
you know, Homer's like, this is crap. He's like, we didn't get like anything. And Bart is mad. He's like, hey, man, don't badmouth the head. And I, uh, you know, M- Marge is like, well, it's certainly been a memorable feud. Or uh, I'm sorry. No, she says she says the the moral of the story is that, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease because, you know, Homer's like, well, we wouldn't have got a present if I didn't say anything. And Lisa's like, you know, like, no, like th- maybe there is no moral. This is just, you know. Like what, you know, like what happened or whatever. And Homer's like, yeah, that's what I've been trying to say. There's no moral. And uh, Marge says, it's been a memorable few days. And Homer goes, amen to that. Ha 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 ha. And the episode ends. And once again, weird sitcom moment. Why? Like, that's a sitcom moment, right? What a memorable few days. Ha 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 ha. And then it ends. Is that a weird ending to you? Yeah, it's a season two ending. Some are better than a lot of them are better than this, I think. Yeah, but it's a season two ending. It feels like a season two ending. I, I refer to it as a season two ending. I'll buy that, but I still feel like they're they're because no, normally I'll call out the the very you know sitcommy moments where I feel like it's not as good of writing, and I feel like that's not as happened as often. I mean, in season two, it's more often than it'll happen later, but. Uh, so, Sean, uh, that's the end of the episode. Uh, wh- how do you feel about the lasting impact of this episode? So, this episode gives us the Olmec head, which will often be seen around the Simpsons house. And it's a very good one for the dynamic of Homer and his boss. That's true. It, it is a. It is definitely another Homer v. Burns episode, so to speak. You know, uh, Mr. Burns and Homer either getting along or not getting along is is quite a lot of the plots of the Simpsons. But honestly, I, I think I have to agree with you on the Olmec head. I feel like the lasting impact here is a little underwhelming as far as the the history or the the you know future of the Simpsons. Really, it's more about the fact that there's a giant stone statue in the, ba- the the basement of the Simpsons. For anyone who's not a hardcore fan and is watching the Simpsons and they see that giant Olmec head in their basement, like they gotta think like, oh, like that's just a funny gag. Like, why would they have that in their basement? But this is the reason why. There is a specific reason why it is in their basement. That's that's kind of funny, right? It's it's funny. It's weird. It's okay. All right, Sean. You're being real negative here, but let's go ahead and get a little bit of positivity from you. What is your favorite quote? So, my favorite quote from the episode is a fun one. Uh Uh-huh. Homer opens up a letter. Uh Uh-huh. And he reads it off, and then he's like, it's just a card. Is that some way to show your gratitude? No gold, no diamonds, no rubies, not even a lousy card. Wait, there was a card. That's what got me so mad in the first place. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, that is a a really solid line. I like that one a lot. And there's quite a few lines in here that are very good. Uh, Before I get to my quote, of course, I do want to mention, you know, make sure to, uh, if you want to support, uh, Noiseline Arcade, jump on patreon.com slash GameZilla Media, and there you're able to uh, support the show for either a dollar to five dollars, or if you wanted to give more, of course. Uh, if you decide you want to give five dollars a month, there is the Smart Line show that Sean and I do, which is a uh, bi monthly show. You get two mini episodes a month, and we cover a variety of topics. We go in depth on characters. Uh, so make sure to check that out if you're interested. Uh, but I, I gotta I gotta hand it over to the my favorite quote, which is Hello, my name is Mr. Burns. I believe you have a letter for me. Alright, Mr. Burns, what's your first name? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>